Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast where, just like Sue Storm, we love a good read. I've got some dudes, some bros, some nar compadres surrounding me. I would love for them to introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Nar Compadre, also known as Greg. Pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm just Chill Vargas. It's the vibe. Catch the wave. Yeah. Of course, uh, I'm mediocre Mike. <laughs> Plain old average guy, not putting on any uh, strenuous adjectives mm-hmm. uh, to make myself sound like I'm better than anybody or particularly chill or to, gnar. To be fair, I selected a name you presented. <laughs> I didn't just pluck that name out of the ether. Moving on. Uh, As we always do, we're going to talk about some comic book news. And then we're going to get into a handful of first issues we've read. Then you can join us over on the Patreon if you want some more. We're going to look through some comics we've recently uh, uh, purchased in, in some dollar bins. And then I've got a CGC packing kit that we're going to send stuff away in soon. But if you haven't seen the CGC packing kit... We'll give you a little tour mm-hmm. of what comes in the mail when you order one of those bad boys. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Also, if you uh, have a question or comment for the show, remember we have a First Issue Club hotline. I always forget this. That number is 816-579-1734. You can call or text and uh, give us a question or comment, and we'll talk about it on the Patreon. Want any life advice? We're great people to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently got a voicemail I did on my single-player Patreon about who is the best kisser, uh, Etrogen the demon or the violator from Spawn. Ooh. So I spent about 15 minutes wax poetic keen about that duo. What if they kissed each other? It would never happen. <laughs> they're they're dynamically opposed from one another. Oh, okay. And it's all about me, baby. Me. <laughs> oh, you want both of them to kiss yeah, you? I, yeah, I am the eligible, eligible bachelor here, <laughs> and I get to choose whose tongue is down my throat. Vindicator. (laughs) Good shit. Do you think who do you think I picked? It was the violator. I'm the vindicator. Violator. Still, I think you picked Etrigan. Of course you did. You want a little hunky boy? Yeah. Who's gonna kiss you right? Not somebody who's gonna shove it all the way down. I picked the violator. No, you did not. I wanted. I wanted hard and dirty in a back alley. You dirty boy. I'm gonna be worrying. Why isn't he calling me? He left me on red for four days. Yeah, but with with Etrigan, you get Jason Blood. He's part of the deal. <laughs> oh, so now I'm Polly. Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> but, okay, so starting off news, this is kind of like a little dated because I read this book um, that's been out for like a month now. Spider-Man number one. <laughs> Batman 900. Uh-huh. Did you guys read it? No. Okay. I, I am up to date on Batman, so yes, but I don't remember what issue that... Was that the issue... Is it Batman or Detective Comics? Batman. Oh, okay. Was that the issue after the failsafe arc? It ends the current arc that they're in, where he's like back in time. Oh, that's right. Or okay. in, in another dimension. Yeah. Gotta yep. get back in time. That's right. It was just a really fun way to do um, a l- big legacy numbering mm-hmm. issue. Because he's in a multiverse, lost through time, and then they hop him through a bunch of different Batman universes. And so you see, it it jumps styles. 
So it goes to like oh, Frank nice. Miller Batman style and then like 60s Adam West Batman style. Um, the cartoon, like both cartoons, it does mm-hmm. the 20, or sorry, what's the... Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. I always think 2099 when I think Batman Beyond. It <laughs> it's you, the same fucking shows thing. shows you how much of a Marvel guy I am. Um, and the animated series. It was really fun. Yeah, Adam cool Adam West gives him his utility belt. Sick. And it comes in handy later. He's like, fine. he was like, I f- finally met a Bruce that was more prepared than me. And he uses the shark repellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought dope. that was so fun. I was like, this is the most I've felt chip. In, in the series, in a Batman comic, like this was the most of his like personality mm-hmm. coming through on the page with some of like the silly things that they were able to do. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Vargas, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't like Grant Morrison kind of do something with Batman like that, where he was like Batman through like pirate times and caveman times and like uh, was it like a pilgrim or something? Yeah, that was um, after Batman R.I.P. Yes. When he died in, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was it, Final Crisis? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, ba- yeah, Batman had to be Batman basically through the ages mm-hmm. uh, to get back to present day. So yeah, issue number one, and that was uh, Batman Return of Bruce Wayne was the name of the movie. Yes. I remember uh, furiously chasing down those issues because it was just like a really fun idea. Yeah. And you get like a Batman through the ages, like he's... As a caveman has like um, like mammoth fur on him as yeah. a cape and cowl. I thought it was. A, I, I love it when comic books do that, where they just kind of take a familiar character and familiar themes and just put it in a different time period or different kind of style. Yeah, like, yeah. You really liked their whole the steel thing, didn't you? Was mm-hmm. that the name of the like medieval Dark Knights of Steel? Yeah, yeah. Dark Knights Knight Steel was good. Well, and they do the same thing with like uh, deceased and. Um, yeah, just uh, like a zombie. The, yeah, like DC a vampire stuff. Like I love just like turning it slightly on its head. Yeah, it just kind of freshens it up a little bit. Same here. I love it. DC's the best publisher when it comes to Elseworld things. One hundred percent. They do it the best. Yeah. Marvel has the What If series that has kind of lost its way. Yeah. Uh, like old school What If was really fun. They really got to play with it. I wish they would go back to that of like. I recently bought some what ifs, and one of them was just like, what if when Bruce Banner became Hulk, he kept Bruce Banner's brain? And I was like, that's kind of a fun idea. Yeah. Or like, what if Craven had killed Spider Man? Like, that's fun things to explore of familiar stories that you're used to, of them just being like, well, what if it happened this way? Yeah. And so uh, I agree with you, Mike. Uh, DC do do it the best. I, I, part of me thinks it's just because they do it more often. That- yeah. You just, it's not as confusing when you pick it up in a comic book shop. You're just like, oh, this is obviously out of canon. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marvel, it maybe isn't as good at branding that stuff, or because they do it less frequency frequently. You're just like, wait, why is Spider Man in right. a spacesuit now? Like, <laughs> or they just call it multiverse stuff. Yeah, like they don't brand it as like DC brands it as just like we're doing something fun. Like it, no, not tied to anything. This is yeah. just fun stuff. Yeah, you're right. And Marvel's just like, oh, this may be uh, yeah. tied in somewhere down the line. It's we like, God it damn it, Dan continuity. Slott, why the fuck are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. So I know they did uh, like five issues of What If a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where they had like, what if Ghost Rider was black metal, and what if yeah. 
Spider-Man was the Punisher. Yeah. And they've got a couple coming out. But before that, really, it was like Secret Wars 2015 was kind of a whole what if series. Sure. Where they canceled the entire Marvel line of comics and everybody wrote their own portion of Battle World. Yeah. And that was great. That's why I loved Secret Wars so much. It was cool, but it was still canon. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make it sense? Was, like, yeah. Sure, yeah. It was still beholden by a, a a table of editors saying, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. With What If and Elseworld, Elseworld stuff, they're just like, yeah, as long as there's no nudity or curse words, have at it. Yeah, for sure. The tie-ins and Battle World stuff almost made the Secret Wars storyline worse for me. Because they were better? <laughs> Well, no, just because it was like harder to follow and it was just more information in between the like month and a half, two months you had to wait for each Hickman issue to come out. Right. It was so I remember having such a hard time following it. And then someone on the Discord said, You should read that again. It might have been you. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and I thought it was great. Yeah. You have to read all those stories sequentially. Mm-hmm. Sequentially. Yeah, That's sure. why I encourage everyone to go back and reread Heroes in Crisis. And Doomsday Clock. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> as collected editions, those fucking slap. But for Doomsday Clock, if you had to wait for three and a half years for it all to come out... Yeah, you lose the thread. It's trash. Yeah. I didn't read Doomsday Clock as it was coming out. And Lucky I, you. And then I bought all the issues together, and I was like, why does everybody hate this? Like, I understood why they did an absolute Doomsday Clock after reading it collected. Yeah, because yeah, like, you need it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike D, you were mentioning before the show Distillery, uh, the new comic book publisher, has some merch out with an asterisk kind of attached to it. Well, yeah, this so this was a couple weeks ago. I did a, I bought a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. They had very expensive t-shirts and hoodies. And part of the deal with the shirts was if you show up to a con wearing some of their stuff, you'll get some merchandise that no one else has access to it's like a secret club yeah exactly right it's like a chopper shopper card so i thought why not i'll order it it's it was more expensive than a normal shirt but um if i get something from one of my favorite creators that'll just be fun yeah um and now they have like a vinyl toy which um is it a comic book vinyl toy? You know what? It's got to be one of their characters or something from an upcoming story. I read that it's it's their mascot. That, okay. that little cat thing? Yes. Yeah, it, that's their company mascot. Hmm. A little cat demon. It looks like okay. a pretty typical kid robot kind of yeah, figure. Thing. It's like a five-inch vinyl thing, and it looks like it's holding like an enamel pin. You probably get a pin with it. Um but they're making and doing fun stuff that's like, here's an exclusive limited thing, and then if you miss it, here's another exclusive limited <laughs> thing like a couple weeks later. Um, so I think it's fun. They haven't even had a, a comic book come out yet, and they're already doing fun, well, they gotta pay the bills somehow. fun fan engagement stuff. Their first book's due out in August, though. Yeah. Devil's Cut. And you said that it, it's like a vignette of stories that are going to branch out from it that are going to be their ongoing books or like just the books that come out yeah. first wave. So they're not, they've specifically said it's not a previews book. So it'll be some sort of like an intro story mm-hmm. to these eight different ongoings that are going to be coming out. 
I'm interested to see if it's a connected world or not. Yeah, that was my next question. Is Do we know if they're creating like a, a, a superhero universe with connected stories? Or is it all kind of like bad idea stuff? Or it's just like separate books under one umbrella? Given some of the creators, I would be really surprised if it was a superhero-y thing. Given the creators, I would be surprised if it's all one connected universe. Because the stories all sound pretty... Wildly pretty different. wildly different, yeah. yeah. But... I mean that's that's going to be the new hotness for sure. Oh yeah. Once yeah, yeah. those books start coming out. So Yeah, bad ideas going to come up some pretty wild shit to get everyone's attention again. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm I'm really interested to see if many of those creators do stuff on Image anymore cuz there's some big indie names mm-hmm. on that list. Yeah. And normally their big titles go to Image. Or so boom. Or boom, right. So is the only difference between like image and distillery, like with distillery, you get like 100% rights to your creator character stuff. Like th- from what I read earlier, they're just like, you own the IP, you we just help you distribute it. And, and that kind of sounds like what image does already. So I don't know what the allure is from one or the other as far as character ownership. I would guess, if if I'm a betting man, that there's more even ownership distributed across the IP mm-hmm. as opposed to what Image typically does. That's my guess. Okay. So, like, I would guess that their creative teams all have equal ownership. I see what you mean. Okay. As a, and I don't know. Writer, if- illustrator. Letterer, letter, yeah, yeah, all those guys, all down the line. That's, okay, that's my guess. Communism, sweet. Well, and it, in at Image Comics, Image has to make some sort of money off of the top of everything, right? Yeah, and yeah. with every all these owners co-owning this one publisher together, there's just less to be taken off the top. Once they get the formula down for like this is the right place to print and the right amount to print, yada yada they're probably going to be saving a lot of money just keeping it all in-house. Mm. For sure, yeah. And they're not doing that bad idea thing where it's like, we only print like... <laughs> this isn't bad idea, like, just like take a pre-order and like, yep, that's all we're printing yeah, to they, save they money. Only, they only print four copies, and you have to dive <laughs> to the bottom of a river to find mm-hmm. them. You have to... Yeah, damn it, I almost made a submarine joke. Let's keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, and with the na- the sort of names they have attached to these books, people are going to pre-order them. Oh, I've already pre-ordered God, yeah. a yeah. couple. God, yes. So, really uh, good. I read a cool news about Josh Williamson's Green Arrow series. Oh, yeah. Two, a little two-parter here. So, number one, it was supposed to be a six-issue limited. Mm-hmm. It got expanded to 12. So, that means people are buying it. Of course. Um, it's It's a great series so far. If you haven't been picking it up, but spoiler alert for issue three, kind of, uh, we find out that the Green Arrow family, the reason that they're split up is because somehow they, them being together, Black Canary, Green Arrow, Speedy, uh, Hawk, them all being together is what causes the Kamandi alternate universe huh the last boy on earth yeah that dc did yes they, great series by the way yeah 
they, the Green Arrow family, are the ones that cause that calamity that ends the Earth. Oh, weird. Yeah. So they like are actively staying away from one another because they don't want... Because they don't want to cause that. Yeah. yeah. Have they given news that Kamandi's coming back? I Not that I've seen. With them bringing it up, I mean, that it's just kind of setting up the yeah, the juicy fruit in front of us of just like, hey, guess what we're going to do now? Yeah. Isn't that wild, though? That is kind of cool. That they would pick that to be like, and I mean, that's a pretty big, <laughs> that's basically its that own. That was Kirby, right? Yeah. It's basically its own, like, Earth, you know, like mm-hmm. Earth, Earth, whatever, 42. Earth Commandi. Yeah, is Commandi. Um, and to give Green Arrow that you know, cause like he's the cause of it is I thought pretty big news. That is cool. It'll be interesting to see if they like, if they figure out a way to avoid that fate, mm-hmm. but then this person ultimately ends up existing in the timeline with other people. Yeah. Do they find a way to retcon that series or bring that character into the current DCU? Right. Because of it. Fun, exciting stuff. You can't waste a Jack Kirby property. I look forward to reading Commandy Crisis in about a year and a half. <laughs> Commandy and Crisis. <laughs> Crisis Commandy. <laughs> I'd read that book. Which is essentially DC's answer to Kazar, right? Yeah. Which is Marvel's Tarzan. Yeah, exactly. Can't every, wait for Tom every, King and Mitch Gerard to write Commandy Crisis. I, I'm, I'm already pre-ordering it. A nine-panel grid of Commandy so, being sad. Yeah. <laughs> I I would love to see Mark Russell do that. I, I, would, yeah. I read a Mark Russell Commandy book. Mark Russell would crush Kamandi. I think that'd be amazing. With Raphael Grandpa on pencils. Holy shit. <laughs> we didn't talk about... Uh, the new series coming out for Batman. I, I talked about it when I was by myself, but you, yeah. uh, we, we never talked about how the... Uh, did you see the interior art pages for that? <laughs> Dude. It looks fucking brutal. I'm, I mean, it's Raphael Grandpa. Like, yeah. his art is incredible. I think it's really cool, but it's just like Batman hunting down a serial killer, but the serial killer somehow knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. So he's like leaving him clues. And how- what um, what is it? Batman... Gotham Gargoyle? Is that what it's called? Something Gotham like of Gargo- Gargoyle of Gotham or something like that? Yeah, I am stoked for that book. Did you see they're releasing a noir edition like the same day of the, that book? The normal one comes out. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Great. Now I have to buy both. <laughs> it, that means it's just black and white? Yeah, it's just the original art. <laughs> Oops, we forgot the colors in this one. Call it noir. <laughs> I've bought charge an extra dollar. <laughs> I've bought a couple of the noir graphic novels. Right. And I think they're cool. Like especially the Tim Sale ones. Oh, just well, yeah. I love his art so much and um Long Halloween especially is like it's cool to see the original inks. Yeah, for sure. He's he does so much um like I I've I think I've said this before. I love artists that really lean into heavy blacks. And he's one of those people, and sometimes the colors, you lose a little bit of, or that becomes muddier. How much like heavy, heavy ink is on the page, and that's that's one I would recommend for sure. You can buy that like used for like five bucks. The Long Halloween one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an artist who definitely went too soon. For sure, Tim Sale. Yeah, I was really hoping for one more Marvel color series, Mm -hmm. but at least we got Captain America White. Yep. 
in uh, what the, he did Daredevil Yellow, Spider Man, Spider Man Blue, Blue, and Hulk Gray. Hulk Gray, and yeah. Captain America White. Captain America White. Jeez. Yeah. Doctor Strange Purple. That would have been it. <laughs> Dude, tell me that book wouldn't have been incredible, bro. It would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> Professor X. White. Clear. Clear. Nice. Opaque. <laughs> Professor uh, X. He's opaque. Gone. Emma Frost. Clear. <laughs> yeah. He's gone clear. He's uh, he's he, gone clear. He joined Scientology. He joined Scientology. <laughs> Professor X is an operating thetan. Prove me wrong. <laughs> What's the clear thing for Scientology? I didn't know that. Going clear is when you like have gotten rid of all your thetans, right? Yeah, and then an o- o- your OT level is how high you are in the ranking of the church. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. And you have to get clear before you can move up or Yeah, ranking. that's right. Sorry I asked. <laughs> are you sure? Mar- Mike and I are going down to the yeah. temple later. Coming from a guy God. who I can tell is just brimming with thetans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm bubbling. You're, really, you're a real SP. <laughs> it's all right. Have you I'd... not watched any of the documentaries about No, I don't want to be fucking bummed out. Why? They're so interesting. They Kay- Caitlin watches it, and I walk in. I'm just like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's super. Yeah. I'm gonna watch Coco Melon with my sons. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even know anything about Galactic Lord Zenu. <laughs> I know he doesn't call me back. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I've watched a couple of the documentaries with uh, Leah. What's her name? From oh yeah yeah yeah, uh, the TV show with. What's the other guy? Wow, this is riveting content. Good, good work. Yeah. Anyway, Scientology well, bad. I I can Fuck. never come up with those shows' names because they like made the show again, but with a different name, and they're playing different characters. Maybe King of Queens, King of Queens, and then they did another show where they cast another woman mm-hmm. as his wife, and oh, Mike and Molly. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dharma and Greg. <laughs> Mike and Molly. <laughs> Mike and Molly is essentially. I mean, it's King of Queens. King right? of Queens. <laughs> in, like, in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. But what? in any case, the, yeah, he had a he had a new show. Kevin James. Kevin James did had a new show. Okay. And they cast a different woman to play his wife. A different thin woman to and, play his wife. Yeah. yeah, like someone who was like way too young and like huh? way too hot. Yeah. Are you thinking of according to Jim? <laughs> Are you thinking of the Flintstones? Are you thinking of the Simpsons? Are you thinking of the Honeymooners? Are you thinking of Family Guy? Are you thinking of Bert and Ernie? It's uh, good shit. Are we done? Yeah, <laughs> Are you done yeah, with our bit? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, let's transition into the comics of the week. Da-na-na, da-na-na. I read the oddly... Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos. This is, of course, the first book out from the Tiny Onion imprint from Dark Horse from our good friend James Chenyon IV. It is a story inspired and based on an idea from James Chenyon, but the script is actually by Tate Bromble, and the art is by Isaac uh, Goddard. I didn't realize that. Yeah. James Chenyon isn't writing this. So, like, on his substack, he was just like... This was like a long time ago. He was like, I had this original idea. He, I mean, he basically laid out the format for everything, and the script isn't from him. But he's just like, these are the these are the characters I want. This is the direction I want it to go in. And so he he set up a wonderful roadmap to stay on, and he just didn't write any of the words or scripts or anything for the issues. But I'm assuming he like owns it. 
Yeah, like it's it's yeah, it's it's his property. Like, but um, you know, how, like sometimes Mike Mignola will have people write a Hellboy or a BPRT story. It's kind of the same uh, breath. But the, the weird thing to me is, mm-hmm. is that Mignola made several Hellboy books of his own before right. other people started working on them. It's bizarre to come up with like just the idea. Here's an original property. Uh huh. Now play in my playground. Here's a cocktail napkin. Make a comic out of it. And uh, it, it we call that the Stan Lee. Yeah. It sounds like in like James had. Like, did he commission these creators to make it? I think so. Like, he's paying them. Mm-hmm. Got Yeah, because this was originally a Substack exclusive comic. And so he uh, did a lot of long-form essays on it and, like, kind of, uh, I mean, essentially built the building, and he invited people in to make it look nice. Now I don't under I, I understand even less. Yeah. He released this comic on his Substack. No. He really, like, he was writing it through his Substack. Like, he was giving behind-the-scenes stuff update like he had an artist already he was creating background world mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah okay that's wild yeah the book is fine oh okay <laughs> it's it's beautiful to look at there's a lot of exposition like right from the jump it sounds like there would be with something that like doesn't sound like it was created as a comic it was more created as like a universe it sounds to me like he, astrobots that yeah. that whatnot comic mm-hmm. that we covered a while back where like clearly there's a lot of world building that's happening because that that book was created basically the same way mm-hmm. like somebody had an idea and they hired a creative team yeah to do that idea this is basically the jack kirby new god method of yeah. just like i have been thinking about this idea for about five years <laughs> Yeah. And I need someone to help me just finish it off. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if you've been reading comics for a while, James Tionian has no shortage of writings and ideas. And I think it's exactly what you think, Mike. He had built this big world in his mind, but he needed someone just to take it from him. Like, yeah. he's like, I've done all this legwork. Like, I can't physically do any more with it run with it and he's basically like the Stan Lee of this thing he's the editor he's like I like this idea I don't like this idea yeah and so it, I'm, I'm getting you know the first arc because of just who's attached to it right and the idea behind it seems cool but uh, I, I, I worry that if it, it wasn't if it was a different creative team if I was, would just be like too much yeah too much here and like the hook at the end isn't enough if it was a new creative team, I would have been like, eh, all right, I'm out. But the promise of what James is offering yeah. is enough to keep me on. What an opportunity for that creative team too, mm-hmm. to like, I mean, imagine that you're a r- relatively unknown comic creator yeah. and you have the ability to put James Tinian's name at the top of your book. Yeah. <laughs> well, like didn't Tate and James work together on like something is killing the children or, or the house of slaughter or something like they've, they've worked together before. And so, um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. It's, it's a story about a, uh, kid, Christopher chaos and his, uh, weird, uh, there, there's something off about Christopher Chaos. Mm-hmm. He can see, he has like a, a Rain Man disease. He can like see numbers in the air. He can make things happen. But like on 
an an exaggerated level. Like mm. it's almost to like a superhero degree. And uh, you know, his mysterious parents gave him up for adoption, and so now he's just like living with this either curse or gift, depending on how you look at it. And there's a secret society uh, working in the background. We don't know what they're up to. At the end, there's like a werewolf. Uh, you know, there there is blood and gore. There is, uh, like I said, a lot of words <laughs> uh, midway through this book. Um, so it, I mean, it has a lot of promise. But like I said, if if it wasn't, if it was any other creative team, I would I would approach with hesitancy. Yeah. Is Christopher a queer character? Um, yes, he is. Okay. And it, um, I, I know that specifically because I read a lot of James Tenyon stuff lead before yeah. uh, this comic. Just a lot of his leads are, so I was just wondering. This gives me a Robert Kirkman vibe. Yeah. Because Kirkman always has a lot of really lofty ideas in his this universes. Is, this is a big swing for James in this book. Yeah. Because um, all of his, all of his uh, uh, Substack stuff is going to be starting to be released on Dark Horse now. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think it's Dark Horse. And okay. so if it, this is a big lofty swing, and he's hoping for a home run. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Cool. It's a big idea. It's a big thinking, thinking man's idea. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys – I think last time we – I think on the episode that we'd talked about World Tree, I was the only one who had read it. Yeah, I haven't read that yet. You actually. still haven't? Okay. No. I've read the first three issues now, I yeah. think. The the person on the cover that I keep seeing, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me on this, looks like Yolandi from Die Arntwood. Uh-huh. Yep. Is that supposed to be? I don't know. <laughs> okay. That, that is exactly what I thought. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a very unique haircut. It's a very specific it's haircut. It's a very specific haircut. Yeah. Very true. But uh, did you like it? I was very conflicted by it because it was kind of like a dark in a very not fun way Ooh. sort of comic. Cool. And I was just like, Ooh, yeesh. Hmm. I was not ready for this. <laughs> Wind, this is not. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I, I liked it. You know, the, the rest of the issues are a lot tamer i think are they okay yeah yeah. the first issue is very brutal and deals with like um serial killer mass shooting sort of stuff Mm. and i'll say that i'm no stranger to dark james tenyon stories like he's he's written several books about ending the world but they are all like a very sci-fi twist, like mimetic and eugenic and nice co- house on the cognetic lake. and yeah, nice house on the lake. Like they've all got this weird sci-fi spin where you're just like, that's an interesting concept. But for something to be, at least in the first issue, a little more based in like a reality wherein just people have like guns and are killing other people, it was just like, too rooted in kind reality. of a tough read, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was a very, I mean, it's it is a very intense book. Like the 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 kickoff is really intense. The rest yeah. of the book stays that level, but it's not as 
in your face about it. Yeah. Um, I liked, and what what the re- the last two issues have really pushed is like the mystery behind it. Uh huh. You know what what is World Tree? Why is it online? What mm-hmm. what is it doing to people? That kind of stuff. I almost think this is a uh, evolution of mimetic. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's a response to real world events. Yeah, that I mean, just like mimetic, cognetic, and the third one, eugenic, eugenic, were right. Yeah, those were responses to, you know, the the day and time that they were released. But that was what fifteen years ago or something. Yeah, and they again they took a much more um, sci fi approach, fun yeah. sci fi approach to those things. Yeah, and. Uh, I think that's the I, tough thing about like the uncanny valley of creating a comic that is also about a social commentary or commenting on yeah. a real world event. Um, I always bring up the book The Recount, which is like a book about a group of missionaries who don't agree about who was voted president. So they, yeah. you know, get a militia and start killing people. And it's just like that's that's too real. Like that's mm-hmm. too close to like that could fucking happen and yeah. has happened. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it's a tough line. And, you know, I, I, I don't envy the writer that dares to take on that, you know, challenge. Um, and when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, you're just like kind of left with a weird taste in your mouth. of Like I could have just watched the news at this point. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes like I, I like to watch movies that, that do that where they like, have some sort of a whatever a twist but they really force you to like look into the mirror of what's happening Mm -hmm. the black mirror yeah you know but it makes you like kind of really reflect on yeah stuff that might get you know overlooked if you're not actually thinking about what's going it was not hitting you in the face yeah exactly um but yeah to, to mike's point like having a comic book do that is very striking because it doesn't happen in such a, a blatant way very often. Yeah, for sure. It's also a huge risk for a publisher. Oh yeah, because you know, try pitching that idea, and they're just like, "Oh, I don't know, James," and you're just like, "Trust me on this." You're like, ah, "Yeah, all right, like maybe a mini, but like that's gonna be a tough sell." Yeah. I also think too. All that stuff reminds me of this Sam Humphreys book that he released a while back called um, Citizen Jack. I remember that book. It was great. Yeah, abs. Super entertaining. Super funny. Uh, it's about a guy who's a total idiot, but he makes a deal with the devil to become president. Mm-hmm. And like that book released this year would read entirely differently right? <laughs> than when it came out, right? But I, f- I feel like that's like a tone thing, too. Like, Idiocracy, yeah. the movie, like, has some biting commentary, but it's delivered to you in a more palatable way. Right. Like, you know, Elephant by Gus Van Sant, who, it, and like, that movie's about a school shooting. Right. Like, that's a tough movie to watch, because, like, he he intended it that way, of just, like, this is, you're not going to have fun watching this movie. Yeah. But you're going to learn a lesson. But, I, you know, you also learn a lesson while watching Idiocracy. So. Right. I don't know. But even Elephant, right? Like, Elephant was made in response to Columbine, but, like, mm-hmm. you watch that now, and it's ten times worse. 
because there's been 10 times or more right. school shootings, yeah. right? Like, we refuse to learn the lesson that this movie was trying to teach. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably part of what... Well, and I, yeah, there's a thought in your head when you're reading some things that are like, does everyone understand the intention behind what's being creative? Right. Or, or are you like, uh, shoot them up, awesome. Or do you, or yeah. There, uh, someone... I read the Department of Truth, and I'm like, what a biting commentary yeah. at all the like conspiracy theorists who are like trying to take down the you know world governments, and um, you could see someone else enjoying that book because they're very conspiracy minded and yeah. love to indulge themselves in those sort of things, and they're seeing a drama play out in this like delusioned world they live in Mm -hmm. so sometimes you read these things that are really well written and very like well paced riveting stories but because of the subject matter you just can't help but cringe a little and think like god this is uncomfortable to think about right who's consuming it what way they're consuming it that's yeah that's the creepier part of like people interpret one book two different ways right and God help me if I meet the person that interprets it the way I don't like. You're just like, whoa, yeah. like you just rub me the wrong way. Well, and uh, speaking of that that character we keep seeing everywhere, who is that like the girl with the bleached bob? Yolandi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yolandi that um, people are doing fan art of that character and, right. and all that stuff. And that character's an extremely fucked up. Oh, yeah character right i mean i haven't read as many issues of it as you have yet but um i would imagine this character hasn't turned into the hero yet <laughs> yeah but everyone's just like this character's a babe and cool yeah cool but, design are we supposed to take that away from it like well i mean to to the same point right like nobody draws like 30 days of fan art and they're like look at my ebon and stella you know, they're like, look at this sick ass vampire. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's just the it's the mascot for the magazine. And yeah. let's trust James enough, my good buddy James. Yeah. Uh T Dog to, to, to assume. Us. Let's trust him enough to assume that he's gonna give the villain their comeuppance. Right? Well, uh, yeah, again, <laughs> and I'm and I'm sure that's gonna happen. Right. But that doesn't change my experience with oh, the, yeah. the fandom and how other people are interpreting the the comic. It mm-hmm. just, yeah. For sure. Un- unsettling is just the way I'll leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's all the books I read this week. I've been busy with uh, other stuff, mostly buying other comics off of eBay. <laughs> Hell yeah. Can't wait to see those. <laughs> I did some catching up. So I've read a handful of first issues. Um, some we covered on the show, some we haven't. Um, I did read Avengers number one. Mm-hmm. So you got to see Carol putting the team together. Very straightforward first Avengers issue. It got me hyped for the rest of the yeah. series, though. Yeah, it's supposed to. And yeah. that, that's like the check mark of a good first Avengers issue. Like, yeah. Yeah. Get me hyped. Yeah. So, I lo- yeah, I loved seeing uh, Wanda especially mm-hmm. coming back on the team. And I, in particular, after reading Black Panther number one, really liked that, I hope, Marvel's leaning into the idea that the Avengers is T'Challa's new home. Yeah, right. Because yeah, oh, yeah, he's kind of out of Wakanda now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I hope they like 
really let him because he was in charge of the Avengers in the last series, but towards the end of the run, it kind of didn't feel that way. Yep. Um, I really hope they give him like a real strong role in this team. They had a good moment with Carol tracking him down and trying to talk him into coming back and how he needed to and deserved to be there. Yeah. Um, partially because <laughs> he was he made such a big mistake yeah. the last run that it's like we need someone as smart as you who's learned the lessons you have and right. all that good stuff. So there's there's already been some interesting dialogue and conversations in it in just like a first issue, which is a lot of times fluff. So I'm excited for that book. And there's been some rad covers for it so far too, which is great. Colors are bananas. I've been getting the Mark Brooks. The Mark Brooks covers. The corner are so box. Good. The corner box variants. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. That's what I got so for the cool. first issue. That's a great cover. Yep. Um, I'm I'm a huge Dan Waters believer, and so I bought his first issue of Loki, um, which I really liked. Um, I, I thought it was fun. He's got. Um, Are there Dan Waters deniers? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I, was well, like, just, yeah. I was like, I didn't think he was a a, a lightning rod of a creator. No, he's just someone I really like. Okay, maybe I put that the wrong way, um, but. In any case, um, he's got kind of like this ship of mytho- from mythology. Um, and Dan Waters does his Dan Waters thing and makes this really creepy origin story to this ship. And it's made out of like fingernails of the dead and, <laughs> Dope. and like very creepy stuff that he's great at um, that creates some like weird, creepy visuals and that are, again, fun. Um, but... A couple frost giants steal the ship and accidentally crash it into a world tree and different parts of the ship break off and go to, um, you know, like Midgard, Spuffaluffaheim, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the Anaheim, of, yep, all of them. <laughs> Anaheim, yep, a handful of the different uh, planets and Loki's trying to track down the pieces because they are like the fingernails are like embodied with like haunted souls. And so the pieces of the ship carry a lot of like power and drive people mad. And uh, each of them is turning into like a deadly weapon. That's wherever they've ended up. I think I read the preview preview of this and it was just like, catch up with Loki as he goes to the different uh, uh, planets to get these powerful weapons that have been lost to time or something. I was like, yeah. that sounds kind of cool of, uh, yeah. you know, an Ocean's Eleven type Loki story. Yeah. So it'll be fun. It'll be a good series. I read Death Drop Drag Assassin. Had anyone else read this? No. Nope. What is this? So this is uh, a, dra- I don't know, dra- this is a drag queen mm-hmm. who uh, used to be an assassin and gets pulled back into that world. Love it. There's some. There's a serial killer uh, that is killing uh, queer people around this city, and Death Drop, who is the name of the assassin, mm-hmm. is um, making sure, trying to make sure someone stays safe, and then yeah. ultimately ends up kicking ass, enforcing for the larger community by taking care of business. That is funny because a Death Drop is a famous move yes. that drag queens do when they're on the runway. Yeah. Love that. How did you not hear about this book, Greg? I <laughs> have no idea. I'm mad that I 
that I didn't. I have to go, I'm going to have to go find this at the LCS Because if you would have told me the name of this book, Death Drop Drag Assassin, I would have mm-hmm. been like, oh, Greg read yeah. that book. Greg's got the variants. <laughs> yeah. like, you got damn right I do. Greg got the one in 400. And then did anyone else read Daredevil and Echo? No. That's the Taboo book, right? Is it, it Taboo? It is. Taboo wrote this. It is fantastic. Really? So I'm on a winning streak with Taboo. Yeah. Um, he's been writing some fantastic comic books. I think the first couple that he read, I overanalyzed every line of dialogue. That I was just like, okay, someone who's not supposed to be writing comic books wrote this. <laughs> sure. You kind of read things through a lens of like, what was he thinking when he wrote that? It kind of makes things seem a little more contrived. Yeah. He's written uh, a couple bangers in a row here, mm-hmm. I think. And this book, um, again, teaming up Daredevil and Echo was really fun. Um, obviously, they're from the same universe, storyline, etc. But bringing those two back together, and he tells this really interesting story of this demon from New York that was... Um, a problem in early America and then becomes a problem later in our current timeline. And so you see these two paralleling stories with a descendant of Matt Murdock and a descendant of Echo um, trying to solve the problem back in early America. Oh, cool. That fucking rips. And then these two in, in present day trying to take down the same person who's been like, brought up to be a, an issue again. Oh, that sounds sick. Yeah, it's, that sounds great. It reads fantastic. And again, I was kind of reading this with like an extra magnifying glass just to be like, oh, Taboo wrote this. Is it corny? Yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, I, th- I thought the Deadly, what was it? Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man or whatever he wrote. Yep. Um, was good. Was good. And then this book, this first issue was fantastic. I thought his Werewolf by Night relaunch was awesome. Yeah. So if, You've been holding off on taboo books just because you're like, yeah, he's a musician and it's a stunt thing to have him writing yeah. comics. I guess I would say give these a chance because they're great. I, I, I guess I'll come out and publicly apologize to taboo. I I, I have been a, a very vocal about how I didn't like much of his writing, and I, you're right, Mike. Recently, most of his books have been slapping real hard. But I think it's the thing of like when a famous person in another area or medium comes into like something that you love, it just reeks of nepotism. Mm-hmm. And like we got burned with uh, fucking what's his name's kid uh, who did the Spider Man book. Oh, yeah. J.J. Oh, Abrams. J.J. Abrams' yeah. kid. So you got J.J. Jr. just doing whatever he's doing to Spider Man. Wasn't good. Anybody read Starboy by the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't good. Trash. It's like when that happens, you're just like, uh, you're not gonna get weekend fans into Marvel or a comic book shop. Just like, do you have Starboy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember there was a Ray Shremmerd? Shadow Man. Shadow Man. That's what it was. Yeah. For Valiant. <laughs> For Valiant. Such a weird team up thing. <laughs> so dumb. What, what can you do? <laughs> But uh, you know, someone Marvel did a variant cover that says "No Flex Zone" on it for Captain America. Maybe what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it was one of the early Sam Wilson that Captain America issues. No Flex Zone. Zone. Good song. <laughs> Great song. 
I think that's it this week. Yeah. For first issue club. Um, I are you out of town next week, Greg? I leave Thursday night at 11 p.m. I am out of town and get back Thursday night. Um, oh, sometime we doing a Patreon preview or is it Andy all by himself? Maybe it'll be a Vargas solo show. Oh my, a taste of Vargas. I think worst case scenario, no epi. Well, that would definitely be a worst case scenario. True, but maybe a day late. If I'm not back in time on Thursday, I mean, you've got recording equipment, right? It might not be yeah. set up. You just bought a new house. No, I I can record. Yeah. Um, He's ready at a moment's notice. It's true. But uh, yeah, we'll figure something out. Or we'll let you know if we can't record an episode. But holiday week, mm-hmm. stuff's going to be happening. Watch your fingers and toes with those uh, bang sticks. Yep. <laughs> Make sure you don't blow anything important off. If the next episode is titled Grant Morrison, Great creator or the greatest creator <laughs> you'll, you'll know, know what happens you know it's a Vargas <laughs> joint all right head to the socials go to patreon.com slash first issue club uh check the hotline out i said it in the beginning go back and get the number because my phone's off i don't have the number memorized uh as always remember to bag and boredom hit him with the outro mike bye first issue club is edited and produced by mike DeStacy, greg licktag and andy vargas Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.